So we were in uh, Drexel Hill last week because there was a church we were shutting down. You know, Netzer, uh, we have a network of churches that we interact with. And one of our, the things we're doing right now is that Cornerstone, uh, Jay McCumber has come here and taught a few times. He's the pastor at Cornerstone, uh, leads Netzer with me, and uh, old buddy of mine. And that church is going to be replanting this church in Drexel Hill. Um, and it's going to be a new work there. And uh we're, but first, we were shutting down the church that was there. We're, it was They were kind of coming to the end of the life cycle, and it's going to be shut for six weeks before um, it's replanted, and it'll be like Cornerstone, Drexel Hill. And uh, you know what Sunday they're launching? You know what the next church holiday is after Easter, the big one? Pentecost. Yeah, they're launching the church on Pentecost. That's cool, isn't it? That's the launch of the church. So anyway, uh, thanks for... Uh, just being patient, uh, releasing us to do stuff that we needed to do out there. It was a rich time of being with the church on their last Sunday. It was like looking at old photo memories, uh, you know, a photo book of old uh, vacations, you know, with a family or something with that church. And it was kind of a grievous time, but they also had a lot of hope about what was going to happen in the future, too. So it was pretty cool. So today here is Vision Sunday. Um, we're uh, dealing with vision, which is a little bit weird, i got to confess. Um, Vision Sunday, I always think, is a little bit weird because of the fact that, like, when you think about an organization or when you think about a business, there is usually some sort of visionary leader who's setting pace and saying, this is where we're going, follow me, here's a vision, you know, and, and, and charge after me. But the, in the church, that's not really the way it's supposed to work. You know, in the church, uh, it's, we don't follow people. No matter who the leaders are or how people are gifted, the vision is set by who? By Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the author of the church. He's the finisher. He's the, the founder of the church. And uh, he's still currently the leader through his spirit. And so what we actually do is we're trying to follow Jesus. And he's already made his vision clear to us. How has he made his vision clear? Come on now. Courage. You can do this. How has Jesus communicated his vision to the church? Right here. Okay, so he's communicated what he wants from the church through the Bible. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see a picture of the church. If you read the book of Ephesians, it's like an outline for the church. If you read the book of Revelation, you're going to see a beautiful apocalyptic picture of the church. And throughout the pages of Scripture, he paints this wonderful picture of what the church, what he called the church to be. And so we don't actually have to come up with a vision for the church. He already has, and he's already explained it to us. Now, so why do you still have a vision Sunday? Well, that's what I was wrestling with all week. I'm like, wait, why are we doing this again? And uh, first of all, why are we doing it in May is one question. Because, and that's because normally we do it in September at rally days at the beginning of the school year, and then we also do it in January at the beginning of the calendar year. But our January and February, we had all sorts of stuff going on. And then we got into Lent and we were journeying through that. And then, uh, last, you know, we had Easter and then last Sunday I wasn't here. And then, so here we are, you know, <laughs> and, but why do a vision Sunday when God's already made clear what his vision is? Well, that vision is for the entire church and the entire kingdom of God across generations. But, you know, like for my boys, for instance, I have vision for my boys. I want them to be men of God. I want them to, to be successful at what they put their hands to, you know? I want them to be whole and healthy and wise and live good lives. I want all of that for them. But in 2014, I want them to learn table manners. 
You know, and I want them to like memory, memorize a, a couple scriptures and I want them to learn how to stick to it with their piano lessons and their drum lessons. And I want them to stick with it when it comes to, you know, soccer and whatever else there is they're doing. They got to learn character. And right now, my vision for my boys for 2014 is that stuff. But the long term vision is much bigger. And when you look at the Bible, there's this huge vision for the church. But then there's also this question about like, but where does Christ have us right now? Because Christ is not someone who just lived back there and wrote a book. He's someone who's alive and present. He's still our leader and we still follow him. So what is it that he's doing for us right now? What are the table manners that he's working on for us right now? You know, what is the stuff that he's, that he's working on? And so that's where really Vision Sunday comes in is that those of us who are leaders within the church, our job is not to create vision. Our job is to discern from the pages of scripture what vision is applicable to where we are right now. That's what our job is. And so that's the, that's the best efforts of us doing a vision Sunday. Okay. And, uh, so we're going to pray along those lines that, uh, this morning that as we open the pages of scripture and just talk about vision, that we wouldn't hear, uh, what we want to hear and we wouldn't hear what I want us to hear. We'd hear what it is that our leader wants us to hear. Jesus. Okay. That's what we're going to pray. But before we do, we're going to read our scripture and we have three of them today, three scriptures that we're going to read from that are going to frame the, uh, the message today. So, uh, as is our custom, you can stand with me in honor of God's word. Our first, uh, place we're reading is from Jeremiah chapter 29. You will most likely know at least one of the verses that I will be reading here. Uh, losing it. There it is. Um, Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 10. The, by the way, what's going on here is that uh, this is for the people who are going to exile in Babylon. And uh, God is talking about when he's going to bring them back, okay, communicating through the prophet Jeremiah. This is before, before the New Testament church. This is Old Testament church, but speaking to the people of God nonetheless, okay? 29, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. This sounds familiar, right? Plans for your welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So obviously the picture there is that he is bringing them not just physically back to their land, but spiritually back to him. Flip with me to Colossians 2 and another uh, reading here from Colossians 2. And this is starting in verse 8. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive. See that word there, captive. Remember, they were in captivity. The Israelites were in captivity in Babylon. Again, New Testament church now. He's saying, see to it that no one takes you captive. By what? By philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. 
In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. There we go. Holy cow. You guys are kidding me like what are you bringing out the big guns here you know all right one last one it's just three verses here in galatians chapter five starting verse one for freedom christ has set us free stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery verse 13 for you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love Serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And uh, so obviously set us free. Tells us not to be captive. It looks like love is a hard thing to sacrifice ourselves on behalf of another. But he said he set us free from all that bondage. And we now have the ability to live in love and be free from ourself and our own chains to invest into others. Don't be caught chained down and held captive anymore. Amen? Cool. Have a seat. Let's pray. God, this is our desire today, is that as we discuss the, the theme of those passages for a few minutes here, for the remainder of our time, God, we just ask that you would speak your words to our hearts, that each one of us today wouldn't hear what it is that we want to hear, but we'd hear what it is you want us to hear, and that I wouldn't speak what it is that I want to say, but rather the words that would come out of my mouth are the words that would uh, appropriately represent not just the pages of Scripture, but what it is that you would have Parker Ford hear from those pages of Scripture today. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So have you ever um, had one of those moments where you thought maybe you should talk to a person who was hurting? Maybe it was your job to talk to them. Or maybe there was a person who was in need and you thought you should give them a little bit of money. Or there was a moment in worship where uh, you're in a worship service and you felt like maybe you should emotionally give yourself a little bit more to the Lord. Or you, there was just something that maybe you were being called to do a little bit. And you looked back later and said, I wonder what would have happened if I actually did that, if I actually followed that. You know, you, you've had that experience, right? I mean, I know I have, where I look back and I'm like, I wonder what would have happened if I followed that urge that I had, that sense. And, and there was always maybe a question. Was that like God leading me there? Or was that just like me making that up? Or what was all that, you know? Maybe you've also had a situation where um, the pages of Scripture, while they sound good and you believe them in your head, where we, we know they're true and in theory they're great, but there's something about my life right now that seems like the truth of the gospel and the pages of Scripture don't have what it takes or something to meet all the demands of my life. That, like, the gospel's true, the Bible's great, 
But my life right now, I'm not seeing where that is taking care of all of this. You know, you've been there. And there's two tendencies in that situation. One is either to be like, it's actually more of a pain to be listening to things of faith because they create false hope for me and false expectation where I'm expecting there to be something that it's giving me and it's not. And I'm just starting to get frustrated with it. And I'd rather kind of walk away from it at this point than deal with it. Or it's the other thing where I'm like, man, if this is going to work, I'm going to have to dig deep a little bit and experience more of what it has to offer, more of what the faith has to offer. But right now, it's this isn't meeting this. So something's got to give. And maybe more specifically, what you've experienced is a moment where you've thought, you know, I'm sure that Jesus has the ability to take care of stuff in my life. But the problem isn't Jesus, the problem's me. I don't have enough time in my life to invest into my spiritual life. Or I wasn't raised in a family where I really know how to do that. You know, or I don't know how to hear God and follow God and know what his will is for my life. Or I don't know the Bible well enough, or I'm just not that spiritual of a person, or I have too much junk in my life. It would have worked fine if I had started when I was a kid, but now I'm too far behind the curve and it's not working anymore. Maybe you've had any one of those kind of thoughts about like, maybe there's more to the faith than what it is that I'm seeing. And yet it seems like I can't quite access all of that. Let me tell you what I think it is that Jesus is doing at Parker Ford Church currently right now in 2014 in this little family of the broad church is that I think he's cleansing us and healing us. And I think he's setting us free from everything that would keep us from experiencing the whole picture of what he has for us. God has something awesome for your life. Seriously, God has something incredible for your life and for your family and for this church and for the community, things that we can't really imagine even with our own imaginations. That whatever it is that we would imagine that would make us happy and make us fulfilled, his perspective, his fulfillment is is much bigger. What it is that he wants to provide is much greater. He has the ability to do that and he wants to do that. But here's the deal is that I have, there's some stuff that I believe I'm doing something here. I don't know what's going on. Is that me? I'm popping. Oh, there it is. All right. I think I'm going to get it. We'll give it a shot here. If not, I'm going to try to get it in rhythm so that we can just be like, bop, 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 bop. It'll lay a beat for me. And then I'm going to start to flow. Lay a track for me, Maddie. Um, so, uh, it's one of those days. Okay. Um, where was I? When, yeah, he has something awesome for us. And what happens is what's keeping us from that is that in Colossians there, it said, be careful that you are not held captive again by philosophy, by deceit, by traditions, by the elemental spirits. The heck are the elemental spirits? Well, that's common wisdom is what that is. The wisdom of the elements, you know? Some people used to worship the sun and do all that stuff. We don't really worship the suns, but what we do, what was the suns? Whoa, the sun. But what we do do is say, that's just the way things are. That's the way the world works. That's the elemental spirits, the common wisdom of man. And when the common wisdom of man begins to affect our hearts and our spirits, it limits our ability to access the truth of God, which can set us free into a whole nother realm of life. 
The abundant life. Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you in the full, in the abundance. That I came to set you free. You know, that's the whole point. And what I think he's doing right now in 2014, and I see it happening all over the place. This is just by watching people's lives. That he is taking things that we've believed and that have allowed us to live kind of like normal, mundane life, getting through. And he's showing us where, hey, that's not, that's not what to base your life on. So whatever it is that you're facing in your life right now, whatever the struggle is, whatever the tension is, or whatever the, the just day in, day out thing, there's a purpose and a reason. And God is trying to use that situation to reveal to us right now that he has something more. And, and he wants us to experience in this moment of what it is we're going through. He wants to teach us and to train us. Man, I can blow that thing up. I can just give you power to overcome and to enjoy life no matter what's going on. I can give you peace that is beyond all comprehension, that is beyond understanding. I can give that to you. And so whatever our circumstances, there's purpose and there's meaning in that. And the purpose and meaning is that God is warring for our abundant life. He is declaring war on principalities and powers in our lives. The deceptions, the elemental spirits, the false philosophies, all the stuff that we think in group think in our world. He's saying, no, 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 no. There's a better way to think. There's more available. There's more. Trust me. And he's trying to teach us to trust him. That's what he's doing, I believe, in general, in 2014. One of the lessons he's trying to teach his kids at Parker Ford Church in 2014. And I see it as a common denominator. And uh, so, you know, that is uh, that reminds me of what it is that gets me more excited than anything else. Probably, probably gets me as, at least as excited as anything else. And that's when I see people who I really love losing their inhibitions and being set free to embrace stuff. You know, God, what he wants for our lives is two things that I can sense right now as I'm reading the scriptures and watching our lives. One is that he wants us to live like carefree children. You know, just like God's got it. I don't have to stress about everything. I'm carefree. You know, it's awesome when you see your kids, if you're a parent, see your kids be carefree. Yesterday I was studying a little bit for this and I had a cone set up outside for Evan to practice his soccer. He'd go and dribble through the cones and then he'd dribble back through the cones and then there was a thing you had to shoot the ball against. Out there, just boom, 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 doing it. Just carefree, not a thought in the world. Starts raining, he's still playing, he's not even thinking about it. If something comes up, dad will worry about it. You know, and he'll come and get me if there's a problem. I can be carefree and carefree child is awesome. And that's what God wants for us because he's our father. Here's the other thing he wants for us. He wants us to be courageous warriors for him. People who in a situation where everyone's hating, we can love. But in a situation where everyone's stressing, we have the courage to be like, it's all good. Honestly, it's all good. God's got this. In a situation where everyone would look like they did at Job and they would be like, dude, your circumstances Dink, you know, like, I had to grab a hold of that one there. So that, like, that's terrible situation that you're in. And, and our response, because of the courage of faith in God, we're able to step out into that thing and be like, no, God's good and God's with me. And this is awesome right now because this is his plan for my life. And that's what he's trying to set us free into. And so what gets me excited is watching the people who I love experience that in their life. On Friday night, we went to a Reading Phils game, and it was a lot of fun. If you went to the men's breakfast or a men's dinner, if you didn't go to the men's dinner, you not only missed a good dinner, you also missed a good magic show, which was a lot of fun. That guy was hilarious. And 
you also missed a really good opportunity to get tickets to the Reading Phils because a bunch of us got tickets to the Reading Phils through it. So I'm not trying to shame you. That's all on the cross. He's conquered it with the authority. I'm just saying. So um, anyway, we went to the game, and uh, it just so happened that the other pastor ended up with winning tickets there too. I don't know how that happened. We thought maybe it was rigged. And uh, so uh, the Bite Works and the Deerings, we were um, uh, we sat together at the game, and it was awesome because uh, we had the kids sitting in front of us, and we sat behind the kids, and Shelby was like, we've arrived. Like the kids are old enough to sit a row in front of us. And I was like, yes, it's awesome. So we kind of hung out. And w- one of the uh, most fun things was like when the music would come on and it'd start bumping, you'd see the kids get up and they'd be like moving and jumping and getting into it. And it was just fun to watch them cut loose, you know, no inhibitions. I'm like, woo, yay, go Phil's, you know, but they're just like out there, you know, uninhibited, you know, and it's awesome. So I, I love that feeling. I remember, um, Last summer, I taught the boys how to surf for the first time. And when they first were paddling out on the water, you know, it's Jersey, so, like, you can't see the bottom. <laughs> Water's like that. And so paddling out, and they're looking over the edge, and they're like, I don't know. You know, and they're kind of freaking out, and they're afraid when they get tumbled in the wave, you know, trying to doggy paddle. They know how to swim, but they're freaking out, you know. And uh, But I'm like, it's all right, it's all right, come on. And then there's the moment, you know. We've been trying, they've been tumbling, and then there's the moment where I give that board a little nudge, and it's a nice little wave, and it's kind of gliding, it gets up on a plane, and they steady the board, one knee, another knee, one foot, another foot, and they're sitting there, and then they're cruising in. And we have a video of this, where I'm in the back, and I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm flipping out, I'm like, yeah, and I'm so stoked for them. And the reason I'm stoked for them is not just because they're surfing them, I'm stoked because they overcame their fear. And now, family vacation from here on out, they're going to be like, pounding on me and when I'm trying to sleep in like dad I got to get out in the surf you know come with me or whatever because they're going to experience life because they overcame their fear and I'm like that's what the water's for go get it that's why we come here you know and if we're afraid of it then we can't experience the fullness of it you know and that's what God wants for our lives last year at the end of uh Evan's soccer season he had been struggling throughout the season he had been real timid because he bumped up to the next age group and all the kids were bigger than him and he was a goal scorer in the previous year in the, in the younger age group but he just couldn't get it because he's scared you know and and so we kept encouraging him saying you're doing good you know you'll get there or whatever and then the last game of the season he netted one and after he put it in the back of the net you saw his eyes just got big and he got hungry scored two more that game he got a hat trick he hadn't scored all season and he scores a hat trick on his last game all because what he needed was confidence you know and that's not about a dad being happy because his son scored a hat trick because i'm trying to live through my kid or something that's me being excited because my kid is saying i can do this and i'm like yes you can go get it go get it you know conquer it man it's in you and that's what god is saying to us and my favorite place this happens is with my wife it's my favorite place we were, my, my parents have a, a cabin down on the susquehanna river and there's this cliff that we jump off of. It's like 25, 30 foot, something like that. We jump off into the river. and uh, But next to it is like a five or six foot cliff, okay? And I was just trying to get Jen to jump off that thing, <laughs> okay? And I was like down in the bottom swimming. I'm like, come on, babe, jump down, you know? And she's like, no way. <laughs> like so scared of heights, you know? And she's just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Half hour I'm treading water like, all right, I'm getting tired here, man. Come on. Like, jump in, you know. And then there was the moment where she finally, I coaxed her, and she jumped off, and I was so excited. But you know what makes me excited is not so much when Jen is able to jump a few feet into water. What makes me excited is when she stares down a difficult situation that would intimidate her, but by the power of God, she prays into it. 
And she has an honest conversation with someone that would be very difficult to have. And when she says, I'm not going to shy away from this thing, but I'm going to engage it by the power of God and I'm going to believe that he's going to show up. And when she does that, I'm telling you, I am so excited, so excited watching my wife live in the fullness of what God has created her for. You know, it is awesome to watch God set people free. This is what Jesus did when he came to earth. It was his whole point. He showed up in a, in a synagogue in Nazareth and he quotes Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has called me to set the captives free, to bind up the brokenhearted, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. And he's just like, he's just walking up to people who are in bondage and he's like, freedom, you know, freedom. Whatever that demon is that's haunting you, out. Whatever that false mindset is that's been plaguing you, I'm going to teach you something different so you believe different. Whatever that physical ailment is that has you crippled, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to set you free. And when you walk with me for three years, you're going to see what freedom looks like because I'm going to be there every step of the way. And when you say, I can't do it because I'm not like you and I'm messed up and I'm caught up in all my junk, I'm going to die on a cross for you so that you don't have to do what I had to do. And I just declare freedom over your life and all you have to do is believe it and walk in it and it's all good you're set free and then he gives us his spirit to be in-house personal trainer for us you know so that's what he's doing he's still there he's still alive he's still walking with us he's still declaring freedom in our lives and he's still wanting to set us free from those false mindsets there's three things that i think in 2014 that we've talked about as a pastoral team are the focus the the focuses that we want to value right now as in that process as Jesus is doing that. Three things, and I just want to name those three things for you. The first one is that we value worship workouts, okay? Now, this sounds a little cheesy, but I'm, I'm serious here. Is that it's working out the right stuff in our life. I just started working at Boyd's CrossFit Gym. Holy cow. I'm telling you what, man, these guys are workhorses, you know, and it's incredible. And, uh, and Boyd, Boyd runs the gym there. Nate runs the, the, uh, there's a CrossFit for kids and they run this thing. The, when I went over and, and Boyd was talking me through it, he said, you know what? He said, uh, you're, you're a good athlete and I'm sure you've worked out a lot, but he's like, I don't, you, I don't know if you've worked the right muscles or not, but most people, when they go to work out, they work out the wrong muscles. They work out the ones they can see in the mirror, you know? And, uh, and he's like, the, the engine of your body, the muscles that really make you strong are not the ones that you can see in the mirror. They're the ones back here. They're the ones in your back. They're the ones in your butt. They're the ones in your legs. You know, the ones that are, they're not the big wow muscles, but they're the engine and everything else starts to work well if you get those ones working well. And as he was saying that, the Spirit of God, yeah, I didn't even tell you this, the Spirit of God was communicating right into my heart and right into my mind and saying that is exactly the Christian life. That so often we are trying to work the Christian muscles that we can see in the mirror that look like God is effective in our lives when we look in the mirror, but we don't have the power to overcome the stuff that we really need to overcome because we're working on the wrong spiritual muscles. In Timothy, it talks about that. It says, we have a form of godliness, but are denying the power within. And that's because we're exercising the wrong muscles of Christ. We're on a, we should be on our knees exercising the power of God in prayer. 
We should be exercising our hearts, learning how to feel and connect with and know God so that when I'm at work and there's that nudge in my life where he says, go back and check that paper again, (laughs) that I'm actually going to go back and check it again. Or when he says, walk across to the other cubicle and go talk to that person right now, that I'm going to do it. And the spirit of God, I've learned to work the muscle of being close and intimate with God to the point where I can sense what it is that he's doing and he can move me into an effective life. That, That portion in Colossians and in Galatians, both of them talk about walking in step with the spirit. And that means that I learn to exercise the muscles that keep me close enough to God that I can follow his victorious life. And most of us don't know how to do that. We don't know how to do that. We need help with that. That's okay. That's okay. Leads us to the second part. Okay, here's the second part. We believe in transformed lives. We value transformed lives. Transformed lives don't happen because of humans. They happen because of God. God is the one who transforms lives. I believe that what he's doing when he's cleansing us is he's setting us free and he's giving us authority. He's giving us authority to walk with freedom, to walk with strength in our lives. And here's the deal. When it comes to transform lives, we understand that there's really only one thing we can do, and that's that we can confess where we need transformation. I can't transform my own life. What I can do is say, I believe that the gospel is powerful enough to change my life. My job right now is not to man up and get my life to change so I can be a spiritual giant for God, so I can be awesome dad and husband or or wife and mother or whatever. None of that. It's saying, I need my heart changed. Because when I wake up in the morning, I'm grumpy. And it's really important time for my kids. That at work, when stuff gets tense and everyone's chatting the way they shouldn't, I should be able to rise above that. And you've said that you can set me free to live differently. I'm going to believe that and I'm going to invite you into that. And my job is not to conquer. My job is to confess and say, if the gospel's true, conquer this in my life, God. Set me free. Set me free. I know you can do it. Set me free. All right? And then the third thing is this, that we believe in the broader region. And that might sound a little weird too, but what that actually means is that we believe that the kingdom of God is much bigger than my life. It's much bigger than this church. It's much bigger than just southeastern Pennsylvania. It's much bigger than this generation. It's much bigger than this country. It's it's universal. Russia, China, U.S., all of our kingdoms pale in comparison to the kingdom of God. And we are called to engage it. But clearly we can't run it. And we can't do all the stuff. So it's not our job to do everything. It's our job to do our part. And that's true of each of us individually. And it's also true of us as a church. We can't do the whole thing. We might go and serve at the soup kitchen, um, either in Sanatoga or over there at uh, Salvation Army. We might pray for missionaries over in Indonesia with Mission Aviation Fellowship. We might run a kid's ministry for our kids here to help them develop or whatever. But we can't do it all. We do our part and we engage together and get involved in that stuff. Okay, so they're the three things. As God is cleansing us, as he's changing our mind, as he's helping us to see that he can conquer in our lives, we continue to work our muscles of worship and dependence. If you haven't listened to Josh's message, if you didn't hear Josh's message from last week, you got to get online, go to the website or go to the podcast on iTunes and dial it up and listen to it. It was an awesome message. 
awesome message about connecting with God personally in worship and how to exercise the right muscle. Go back and listen to that. Second is that we believe in transformed lives. It's not my job to fix my life. It's God's job. It's my job to confess it and to invite him into it. And the third thing is, it's not my job to do all of it. It's my job, though, to take part in some of it and believe that God is building the whole thing. Now, as we close it out, it's a whole lot easier for God to, to steer a moving car. And so we need a common project that we work on together, you know? And God, as, he, uh, is steer, as, as he's calling us to uh, pursue things, it's this idea in Colossians where we read, where it say, or in Galatians, this verse right here where it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. When God sets us free to make us uninhibited, to experience all that he has for us. The end of that is not just so that I can, uh, what's that one song right now? Happiness is the truth. Somebody sing it for me. Come on, who is it? He won, uh, yeah, I don't know. This guy won uh, a Grammy right now. Farrell, Farrell, Farrell. And there's the, the song, it's a fun song, isn't it? Happiness is the truth, right? Isn't that how it goes? I don't know. Um, I'm getting red because, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, the, but the point is, is that our own happiness is not the point of our lives. That is not the truth. There are things much bigger than happiness in this life, namely love. And not ooey-gooey love, like legit die on a cross love, where we can give our lives for something we believe in and for someone we believe in where he can set me free so I don't have to focus on me, so I can be about something else. And in order for that, for me to get that, what I understand is when he sets me free, I need to live in peace and live in joy and embrace the freedom he's given me, not just so I can be happy, but because there's other people who need me to walk in joy and walk in peace. They need me at work to be the one who's bringing peace when everything else is tumultuous. They need me to be the one who brings the joy when no one else can find it. They need that from me. And the power of God is offering that. The power of God is offering that. And so my job is to live within that, to live within that place of peace and that place of joy. Listen, there's this guy, Christian Smith. He's an author, a thinker, and he worked with, with youth. And what he said was this. He said that uh, where there was uh, kids who were raised in the church and when they were older, still found themselves connected to the church and in the faith, he tried to find the common denominators of what kept those kids connected. How did they stay in a place of faith? And there was two things that were very clear indicators, common denominators between those kids who made the, made the jump into adult life faith. One was that by the time they were in high school, they had learned to have personal time with God. They were doing worship workouts by the time they were in high school. The reason I think that was important was because when they went through coming of age and went to college and went to all of that, it wasn't just mom and dad's faith that they blew off. It had already become theirs. Okay? And so now they're defending their own faith instead of their parents, which is pretty easy to rebel against something that's your parents. You know? And then the second reason, the second common denominator is when kids had moments they could remember that their parents, because of their faith, took great risk, personal risk. So they did something because of their faith that took a great deal of risk, and then they watched it work out. See, what happened for those kids is, is 
The gospel of Jesus and the truth of the scriptures wasn't just a theory. They saw it work. It was modeled for them that there is life and freedom. There's a bigger life. There's an abundant life. They watched it happen and they started to develop it in their own life. And because of that later in life, it was sustained. The point is, is that for us right now, we have a responsibility. And it's not just to maintain our own freedom for the sake of ourselves. It's to maintain our freedom for the sake of everyone else who's watching, especially these little kids who go running around here all the time. Right now in front of us, you know, we got this thing uh, given to us this morning about a building project. You ever heard of the Red Sea? Or the Jordan River? Or Nehemiah building a wall? Or something like that? This is a, over here, this little thing right here is what we're in right now. You know, and this thing over here is the blueprint of the design of something that we uh, believe God is leading us to build. Let me tell you, this is why there's a worship space in that thing that's designed for people who do worship workouts to come together for common worship workout. Okay, it's the gym for worshipers. Then this place that we currently have as our space gets turned into a great kid's space so that kids learn to know God at a young age. Then there over there, there is going to be offices where people whose lives are being transformed can come in and receive counseling to help navigate the waters of their lives as they're trying to figure it out. And then back beyond all of that is an expanded parking place, all these parking places, because we actually believe that God is big enough to continue to expand the number of disciples who are growing in his kingdom. And when they come here to worship and and, and, and process their transformed lives, they need a place to put their car okay and what it requires of us is faith what it requires of us is a goal that's far bigger than ourselves and says god can do this i believe that if god called us to invest into this church if god called us to invest into each other's lives if god called us to invest into children developing to be people of faith if god called me to be present here in the greater Pottstown area and be an agent of his joy and his peace and his love and his light, then he's going to give us everything we need in order to accomplish that. And if that's a new building, then he's going to provide in ways that will take care of it the same way he did for Moses and Nehemiah and whoever else. Can we agree together that we need faith? Can we agree together that we can confess like that one man, I believe, but help me with my unbelief? Can we confess together that there's more for my life? And that there are moments where he could nudge me and I could see some spectacular things if I would hear his voice. And then I need that and I want that. So set me free and help me to be a freedom bringer for those around me. Amen? All right, let's pray.